Hey friends! Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Grappling with Popular Belief. I'm here to unravel the often convoluted and confusing word or phrase that is self-care. I want to thank everyone who has been listening to my podcast and showering me with such awesome feedback. I had no idea how interesting these topics would be for people, but I'm glad that it has gotten some great attention so far. So last year, I was working in a different position uh, from what I have now. I worked in a high school in this really great office space. Uh, It was very cozy and we would facilitate groups and individual counseling and just general support for kiddos. I shared this space with a colleague that I really looked up to. She had a lot of great experience and I just really loved the way that she worked with the students. And we just got along really well, so it was a great experience. But one day she was talking about uh, some trainings that she would be going to, and she mentioned self-care. Blech, I hate that word, she said. I was shocked because I'm all about self-care. I love going to trainings on self-care, practicing self-care, preaching self-care. We had so much in common, so what's the deal? I, of course, inquired about this unexpected response that she gave me, and she said, it's such a buzzword. People use it all the time, and it's overused. I listened and really let this idea sink in. The more I let this buzzword buzz around my head, the more I realized that she's right. Sometimes I think we use this, and we don't even know what we're talking about anymore. It sounds fluffy and pretty and rejuvenating. It sounds like massages and pedicures and new clothes. Throw it around when people are stressed and prescribe two as needed for headache. (laughs) But how can those things be self-care if those luxuries aren't available to everyone? Are certain people not allowed to practice self-care? Last month we talked about money and happiness, and one thing that I didn't dig too deep into is the fact that there are so many people in our world and in our country that are struggling to survive. Any penny they have is allocated towards basic needs, like food and shelter. At the end of the episode, we concluded that money helps with happiness in some ways, especially when it comes to getting basic needs met. Although adding luxury items to your life may give you temporary satisfaction and stress reduction, true consistent happiness requires a little bit more than that. I also talked a lot about values in the last episode. Values are really relevant here as well because your values are going to influence the way that you need to practice self-care. We all have different values based on how we grow up, what our experiences are, what we hear from our families and our friends and other connections in our communities. So if someone tells you, go meditate if you need to practice self-care, that'll help you feel better. And you're like, uh, no, I don't like to meditate. And then you end up getting mad at yourself because who doesn't like to meditate? Just slow your roll. (laughs) 
most things in life aren't for everyone, except for like, you know, breathing air and drinking water. So don't beat yourself up. Think about things that are important in your life, things that make you feel whole and things that make you feel at peace. Think about your values. A lot of the time, your values are going to be very different from others in your life, even people who you're really close to. Self-care is another part of life where our values or what is most important to us in our lives is going to be very crucial. And so sometimes when I've asked people about what they value, because I have done a lot of that in the types of therapy work that I've done and other counseling stuff, people can sometimes struggle to come up with an answer. How do we search within ourselves to figure out what's important to us or even what is going to help us feel good or help us feel whole? I want you to hang on to that question for a few moments as we go through this. If you have a social worker or a counselor in your life, you may know that we love metaphors. Get ready, folks, because I have a fun one for you. When I think about taking care of ourselves, I like to think of pillars. You know, like the ones that hold up big buildings and that you see when you go and see old historical buildings and they have those big pillars up front. That's what I think of. I like to think of pillars as holding us up and supporting us through our lives. These pillars encase the things that are important to us in our lives, things that get us through the day. So thinking about values, our pillars would be very much based on what our values are. Your pillars might have things in them like relationships, physical health, productivity, Practicing self-care is doing things to maintain and nurture these pillars. If one of these pillars isn't sturdy or isn't being well taken care of, it might start to crack and tip, and then we might feel unbalanced. Practicing self-care is taking care of these pillars and keeping them sturdy and strong. Sometimes I've heard that people say things like, I've tried yoga, or I've tried going to the gym, or I tried a new diet, and it's just not doing it for me. When I hear that, I think, well, that's great. That's a very valuable piece of information that you should keep in mind when thinking of how to care for your pillars. Trying to make yourself do something that you don't like to do would be like trying to smear liquid plastic on a stone pillar to repair it. It might create a temporary fix, but it likely won't do much and could even make the problem worse. Similarly, if you strongly dislike yoga and you try to smear that onto your physical health pillar and maybe even your emotional health pillar, it isn't going to do a whole lot to help you. I would suggest that it might even make the problem worse, especially for the emotional health pillar. Because when we try to force ourselves to do a certain thing because other people think we should, we often become angry at ourselves. We start to self-blame. Nurturing our mental health pillar looks like being gentle with ourselves, listening to our bodies and our values. Maybe you actually want to get into meditation and yoga, and that's awesome because I don't want to downplay how helpful those things can be for your life. And maybe in this situation, mindfulness is important to you and you know that those things can be great tools for that. But maybe 
recently, it just hasn't been working for you so far. Remember that it takes a while to learn things and become comfortable with new, unfamiliar things. I think sometimes, especially being adults, we can often write things off quickly because we become discouraged and angry at ourselves because we feel like we should just get stuff quickly. But that's not true. Think about when we were young and how long it took us to learn the English language or other things that it took many years for us to really fully understand. Just because we're adults now doesn't mean that we can learn things instantly. So now I gave a couple examples of pillars. So is that metaphor making sense yet? Yes, maybe. Maybe you think I'm a little cuckoo. <laughs> well, if you do, that's okay, because I'm going to go into it even deeper. I want to talk about maintaining a pillar that mostly everyone should have in their self-care structure, and that is relationships. Relationships are a big part of what supports us and gets us through the roller coaster that is life. Now, I said self-care is like taking care of your pillars. How do you take care of your relationships? This could be different for everyone, just like everything else. But some things that come to my mind include setting healthy boundaries, reaching out for support when you need it, and practicing active listening, really being present with people that you care about. These are all important parts of self-care that are a little bit less glamorous, and I think sometimes because of that they get overlooked. To pick out one piece of this that I think is exceptionally important is boundaries. Boundaries are a huge part of self-care, and you really can apply boundaries to pillars other than relationships, like physical health and productivity. Stepping outside of the pillars metaphor for a second here, I feel like it's a little bit impossible to look at the whole picture of self-care without considering one big storm that can often make maintaining our pillars very difficult. Something that wears down parts of us through consistent weathering. That thing is common societal beliefs, especially within the context of the culture in the United States. We are constantly bombarded by messages that we need to look a certain way, only eat certain foods, or no, actually don't eat those foods, only eat these foods, and then change it again next week. Or we hear that we need to be independent and not utilize our supports who, guess what, actually want to be there for us. One very big one that I think is one of self-care's biggest enemies is the idea that we always need to be busy, working, grinding, growing. We need to be successful, whatever that word means. There's very little attention to the idea of rest and really living in the moment one day at a time. Sure, being busy and doing things isn't all bad. Many people thrive with a high level of productivity throughout their days. There needs to be a balance. When we only take care of part of a structure, the other parts are going to falter and fail over time. Folks, I've worked in mental health for several years and I can tell you that I have had so many people come to me and tell me that they are burnt out, they're working way too much, and they feel completely disconnected to their families and the things they love. 
a lot of the times when we work all the time and that's all we focus on, we don't even know what the things we love are anymore. We begin to lose sight of those parts of ourselves that we need to be nurturing. If we neglect all other pillars and only focus on career success and money, we will literally topple over onto ourselves. So when you hear about self-care and instantly become annoyed and write it off as something that you just don't have time for, remember that it is something that you work into your regular daily behaviors. It's not just going to get a massage or pedicure or going on a super expensive vacation that maybe you can't even afford. Don't get me wrong, y'all. I love going on a nice trip, getting a massage and all that good stuff. But the next person might hate that stuff which is totally fine. That's cool. There are a lot of other ways that we can take care of ourselves and other ways that we should be taking care of ourselves. For me, getting a massage might help add some plaster to my emotional health pillar, but for others, it might not be the right fit. Heck, it could even make things worse. For example, if there's someone who doesn't like being touched, be nice to yourself. You got to hang out with yourself all the time. You would not want to hang out with a mean person, right? Treat yourself with the kindness that you've been taught over the years to treat others with. Listen to your own thoughts and reactions to things and explore them. Nurture those pillars that are built on your values. Now, thinking back to my question from earlier about searching within yourself to find the things that are going to be fulfilling to you and nurture your pillars. I want to give you one little tool that I like to use for this because I know sometimes people do struggle, especially if they are in this cloud of trying to push yourself hard to be working all the time or things like that. When I think about trying to figure out what we like or what feels good for us, I like to compare it to a very simple example of knowing which kind of food you like. You know what kind of foods you like because of the way they taste usually, right? So taste is one of our senses. And if we want to find other things that are satisfying for us, we can think about other senses. What makes your body feel rejuvenated or rested? Where can you go where there is a fresh smell that helps you feel calm and grounded? How can you access a pleasant sound to help you relax? Shifting your focus to your senses and letting them guide you can help open your eyes to great self-care practices. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of my podcast. I've been having a great time recording and I've been loving all of the feedback and engagement I'm getting. If you didn't know already, Grappling with Popular Belief is now on Apple Podcasts, so head over there and subscribe. Also, check out my Instagram if you haven't. The handle is grappling popular belief with no spaces. And my website where you can find blog posts, little sneak peeks to new episodes, and other fun stuff. My website is grapplingpopularbelief.com. Next month, I'll be jumping into something that I've already mentioned in multiple episodes. And I'm really just going to extrapolate and pick this idea apart. And I'm going to talk about why I think it's so important to bring attention to this. Can anyone guess what it is? Anyone? Relationships. (laughs) 
So we're often told that we need to carry loads on our own, and I'm here to talk to you about some social science and some other fun stuff to contest those ideas. I hope that you'll tune in and give it a listen. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. 